Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. The Premier League season is back. Finally, the 2020-21 campaign can get underway and you're in the right place to keep up to date every single day with all the goings-on in the English top flight. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find. So don't miss a moment of the action and hit subscribe and you will never miss another episode again. The weekend's fixtures, well, there's a couple of tasty ones in there, but none more so than Liverpool against Leeds United. That's top billing for this opening Premier League weekend. We'll be discussing that, as well as new boys Fulham welcoming Arsenal to Craven Cottage and West Ham taking on Newcastle United. My name's Niall McCorn. Alongside me on today's podcast, it's a very warm welcome back to the new season for Adam Keyworth. Hello, Keezy. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, actually. I've, I've enjoyed the couple of weeks away from football. Um, I've been back into my cricket again, but... It's kind of a, a false pretense, really, because we're now into September, which means cricket's going to be over and uh, it's back to the uh, the bigger round ball again this time around. Yeah, I, I feel a lot more chipper than I was towards the back end of last season, where I think, I think in some of the podcasts I was so grumpy listening back that I, I just didn't care anymore. So I'm, I'm starting again. I'm starting afresh. Nice one. Fresh footing, turnover a new leaf for the new season. And uh, speaking of new, we've got a debutante on Football Social Daily today. Hello to Rob Blanchett of Bleacher Report. He's a Manchester United fan and uh, it's great to have you on board, Rob. Thanks a lot, Nath. Thanks for having me here. No problem at all. Right, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about the weekend's Premier League action. And the big match, Keezy, is very much the one that everyone was pointing their fingers at when the fixture list was released. You scroll down and you take a look and you think, oh, Liverpool versus Leeds. That's a 5pm kickoff on Saturday. And Leeds back in the big time for the first time in 16 years. They were, of course, relegated from the Premier League in 2004. And it is a baptism of fire against the reigning Premier League champions who will look to defend their crown this year. They won the league at a canter, I think it's fair to say, by 18 points last season. So I think, you know, for all intents and purposes, this looks like a bit of a baptism of fire for Leeds United. Do you think they've got any sort of chance against Liverpool? Um, I don't know. I've been I've been doing some, some reading today about Leeds because it seems like all the press are 
rubbing the hands together at Leeds being back, which makes sense because they obviously bring in the views. But mm. I did read somebody saying that the, the back in, I won't even name him, he's back in uh, Leeds to finish in the Europa League places, which I thought <laughs> was absolutely bizarre. I think Leeds and I know Leeds fans are like beyond optimistic. Let's put it that way. I think that all they need to do this season is just survive. Mm, I agree. Um, which which is the first port of call. Going to Liverpool on the first day, free hit. A bit like Norwich last season. Norwich had Liverpool first game. It's a free hit. And I fully expect the headlines after to be, oh, Leeds gave a good account of themselves, but it's a 3-0 loss. So uh, they've got a chance. I think mm. one big thing that, that Bielsa said in his press conference that I'd agree with is that, yeah, I, I don't buy into the, the Anfield atmosphere being this big kicker, but... You take away the fans from Anfield and it, it loses anything that the opposition might kind of see as a as a bit of leverage for Liverpool. So I'm I'm not sure about Liverpool this season. Um I I think we'll come on to it in a minute about their summer, but this, this game in general I think it's probably one of those where Leeds will make themselves look alright, look tidy enough, but I think Liverpool just have uh, well, they've just got better players, haven't they? So you'd expect mm. Liverpool to win the game. Well, I think it's a good point you make about Leeds looking attractive on the eye, but possibly not being able to get the results this season. And I think you can kind of level that at Norwich City last season. You know, people were saying they played attractive football, great football. They finished rock bottom of the Premier League and get relegated. So I'm not saying that that would happen to Leeds United. But certainly, Rob, do you think that some of the Leeds fans do need to temper their expectations a little bit? Because obviously it's exciting being back in the big time for the first time in so long. But the Premier League has changed massively in those 16 years that Leeds have been away. Absolutely, and I think all, all big clubs, when they come back up to the top division, there's always dreams of grandeur from fans. Um, but I think, you know, they've made two good signings in Rodrigo and Koch. I think they're both players who will have impacts for Leeds. But as we were just saying there about Liverpool, you know, I, I think that Liverpool might have a tough season this year in terms of uh, maybe rotation of their squad because they haven't really strengthened. And last couple of years, they didn't have injuries either. But I do think that uh, in this game, it should be fairly straightforward for Klopp's men. Well, Marcelo Bielsa is the Leeds manager. And I feel, Keezy, that a lot of the time it's all about Bielsa, that football club, rather than the players. And I certainly felt that last season when Leeds got promotion, that it was kind of all focused on Bielsa and it's Bielsa FC. And actually, the players deserve a little bit more credit. He signed a new one-year contract. Um, they were actually trying to offer him a two-year contract. And he said no, because that's the way the man works. As we know, he's quite peculiar in his, uh, in his methods, old Marcelo. But certainly a boost for those Leeds fans who weren't sure whether their gaffer was going to stick around even for this season yeah like like you say it's classic him to decide the day before the Premier League starts that he's going to stay um, obviously he was always going to he wasn't going to walk out on the eve I think the attention being on Bielsa helps Leeds a little bit I think it takes a lot of pressure off the players um, because Bielsa does have this aura around him other managers seem to love him he's going to be great fun to watch like you'd, you'd know if you've if you watched any of the championship <laughs> last year he's intriguing and he's I'm really glad that he's in the Premier League I always thought that if he was going to come in he'd, he'd probably come in at a top six Premier League club but mm. I have a lot of time for him that he's done it from the championship up he's brought up a very good Leeds team for the championship he he should have done it really in his first year but um, he's going to be good to watch and he's built a decent team my only worry with Leeds is they don't have much Premier League experience in the squad. Mm. Um, and I feel that was almost Norwich's undoing last year. Uh, but 
I think if you compare them to Norwich, it's slightly unfair because they've got a manager there who he knows what he's doing. Daniel Farker, without being horrible, just didn't have the same level of talent as Bielsa. So I think Leeds will be okay this season, but I think, like we were just saying, I think the fans need to just think, right, 17th upwards will do. Mm. Uh, then you build from there. Nobody's going to do, and I'll regret this at the end of the season, nobody's going to do what Sheffield United did last season, <laughs> this season. It just won't happen. I, I think, um, I don't even think Sheffield United will get near that again, but I think Leeds' priority is survive and then build from there. And do you fancy them to stay up, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, you I do. think uh, I think there's, all, I haven't seen much of this Leeds team apart from when they've been on telly last year. I think there are three worst teams. But mm. I, I could be very wrong. I think, the other thing with Bielsa is it's almost like a stick of dynamite where if something goes wrong, he could be and off. He, mm. he blows up and he leaves. That team, that team's in trouble. Mm. But the the other side of it is if it goes right, it'll go very right. So it's going to be fun to watch as a, I'd say neutral. I don't think Leeds have got many <laughs> people who would pick them as a second team, but it, it's going to be fun to watch which way it goes. I don't think it's going to be uh, sensible or normal. I don't think it's going to be boring. It's it's at least going to be fun to watch, which is kind of what we need. Mm, that's the Leeds United perspective. What about the Liverpool perspective? Obviously, the reigning champions um, will be confident that they can defend their title, Rob. But it does feel that there's a slight air of concern over Liverpool, particularly regarding the recruitment or lack thereof, or the lack thereof of recruitment. The only real player that Liverpool have brought in is the uh, defender Kostas Chimikas, the Greek player. Um, is, do Liverpool fans have a right to feel slightly apprehensive over the new season, especially when you see the likes of Chelsea bringing in all of these star players and men? Manchester City possibly chasing after Lionel Messi and Jadon Sancho possibly on his way to Manchester United. Do you think Liverpool fans do have a right to uh, to be slightly perplexed? Uh, yeah, I think when you're winning, the most important thing is to carry on strengthening. I think when you look at Liverpool's team, we know that that first 11 has been incredibly successful over the last couple of years. But there is still issues there in terms of depth. So I, I do think that for Liverpool, there is this this kind of issue there in terms of recruitment of you know which positions can I actually target to strengthen but this year could well be tricky for them because I, I do think that if they do get an injury or two to key players they may well be in trouble and I think they won the Premier League at a canter last year mm. um, if they start dropping points and the tide turns in terms of emotion it could be a really difficult campaign for them in the end yeah, Jurgen Klopp's been, uh, I don't want to say getting his excuses in early because we'll face a barrage of abuse from Liverpool fans, but certainly he's been getting the uh, the old digs in early doors about how the, the way that Liverpool is run and different to uh, clubs that are run by um, rich men and oligarchs, I think, or something like that was the words he used. So uh, not pulling any punches is Jurgen Klopp and I don't think uh, Liverpool versus Leeds will pull many punches either. That's a 5pm kickoff on Saturday at Anfield in the Premier League. Well, that's top billing, but one of the other games that's really been catching my eye as well out of the crop of opening day fixtures is the one that takes place at Craven Cottage on Saturday at half past 12. The first game of the new 2021 season. It's Fulham against Arsenal. Two seasons ago, Rob, Fulham, I describe it as crashed and burned. They spent around 100 million quid on players. Everyone was saying, oh, Fulham have really gone for it this year and it backfired spectacularly and they were relegated. It feels, though, that there's a slightly different vibe around Craven Cottage this time around. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think there's a more holistic vibe around Fulham at this time. I think, as you said last time when they came up, they spent an incredible amount of money. 
and uh, they didn't win games. It was as simple as that. Mm. So I think this time coming up, they've they've learned their lesson from that. Uh, they need to obviously safeguard that if they do get relegated this season, that it doesn't impact the club uh, financially in a way that could actually end the team you know in, in terms of going back into the championship and losing the Premier League money so I think for them this year a bit like Norwich coming up in terms of yo-yo clubs I think it's important for Fulham that they they just ground themselves and see what they can do uh, again if they end up 17th that'll be an incredibly successful campaign for them Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's in my fantasy team. He's my captain, just like he was last year, and he could possibly be on 400k a week by the time that everyone starts to listen to this podcast. He's set to sign a new bumper deal at the club. I mean, he's just so crucial to Arsenal's future. 71 goals in 110 Arsenal appearances since he arrived from Dortmund in 2018. He's absolutely critical to the way Arsenal are going to progress in the next season or so. But thinking about what's happened over the course of the summer and the speculation around his future and his age, despite the fact he is still banging in goals on a regular basis, do you think Arsenal should be searching for the kind of heir to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang sooner rather than later? Because it feels like they would have been grasping at straws had he left. I think they probably are. Um, He's obviously the main man. They rely on him to get the goals and he does get goals. He's He's one of those, I saw today, like, oh, why bother paying him that much money? He's he's a surefire goal scorer, and they are very, very rare. There's not many of them. So he's, in one way, he's a bit like Aguero at City, where he's coming to that age where he's probably got a season or two left there. And you you need to start looking around for who's next. I know that Arsenal fans really want to see Nketiah come good. Um, he's obviously nowhere near Aubameyang yet, um, but they'll be hoping that he does. But Aubameyang will do what he does. He'll get... 15 plus goals this season um, I actually quite like what Arsenal are doing at the minute it seems like they're in a bit of a rebuild Arteta's obviously working with Edu and the other guys at the top to work out how they make the team younger that Arsenal team felt very stale I thought for about two years and bringing in a couple of young centre-halves will we'll just start that they've got brought those two in they've brought some experience in with William. I think they'll do quite well this season and they already proved I think at the back end of last season that they changed a little bit they looked a bit freer from the shackles that I think uh, past managers have kind of put on them and it's going to be an interesting season I can't see them getting Mm. into the top four but they've probably got a chance I think anywhere from sixth upwards would be a decent season because I think the key for them is they just need to progress because last season wasn't very good at all was it really No, not for Arsenal. 13th place finish for them was their lowest finish for 25 years in the Premier League. So certainly Mikel Arteta, no doubt, has to improve on that. Arsenal are traditionally a club that's been firing for the Champions League, Rob. I think that has to be the goal for them this season because even though Arteta's a a new manager and he's still kind of learning his trade in terms of being an actual manager rather than an assistant like he was at Manchester City, I still think that Arsenal fans should be really aiming for the for the top six at the very, very minimum. So I just wanted to know what you think in terms of leeway for Mikel Arteta. How much margin for error does he have? Because Arsenal can't afford another bottom half finish, literally um, in both senses of the, of the expression. Yeah, I think Arsenal fans also saw more than enough last season, especially towards the end of the campaign, of what Arteta's football looks like. And, you know, Arsenal is a big rebuild. You know, we're looking at a club that's underachieved for a while now, even going back into the Wenger years. 
And I, I think that, as you just said there, you know, top four is the golden ring for Arsenal. That's really the ambition as it stands. But they, I think they're going in the right direction. The football's improved. They're much more of a kind of back-to-front team now. They're, they're not just a team with individuals who can kind of do it. And as you said, holding on to Aubameyang and giving him that new deal, I think that's vital in terms of Arsenal's growth over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, certainly it's that defensive side of Arsenal's game that the question marks were kind of hovering around Kesey. And although they have kind of strengthened, they've got William Saliba, who was out on loan last season, coming back. Um, they've got Gabriel Magalhaes, who's come in as well, uh, who seems to be a highly rated defender. David Luiz probably going to miss out the weekend due to a knock. Uh, that's the latest injury news. But certainly at the back, do you feel that Arsenal have you know, solidified themselves enough from a defensive perspective to be able to push for that top four? I think they're in a lot, uh, well, they're in a much better place than they were this time last season. And like Rob said, they're going in the right direction. It's a risk bringing in two defenders who are under 23, uh, two centre-halves. It's it's difficult for them to come in and be their strong, sure, assured uh defensive partnership that's going to keep out the goals because they shipped a lot of goals last season but they did look stronger at the end of the season and that wasn't even to do with the personnel it was to do with the shape and the way that they were playing so like I say I think it I think it'd be interesting to see where Arsenal go this season and I, I do really like Arteta um, so as much as I don't want to see Arsenal do too well it's it's been quite good to see him being given a bit of freedom there and mm. he's he's almost building that team in his image which which suits them. Fulham versus Arsenal. Craven Cottage, 12.30pm kickoff on Saturday in the Premier League, which means it's the first game officially of the new football season. And it also means we'll get to see Arsenal's, um, uh, you know, funky third kit or whatever it is. But that away kit, I know they won't be able to wear it because Fulham wear white. Have you seen it, Keezy? Rob, have you seen that away kit? The one that I like to say, it looks like a bloodshot eyeball. American the, the marble kit the marble kit the raspberry ripple ice cream uh, so many different words you can use to describe it um, there's been it's some pretty wacky kits been this designed, year yeah it's supposedly been designed on the marble halls of Highbury so that's that's why Adidas did it <laughs> it looks like a bloodshot <laughs> that's, eye that's the truth I can't get around it it looks like a bloodshot <laughs> eye it looks like something out of American Psycho <laughs> but I keep thinking when I see it. Well, speaking of a bloodshot eye, I'm sure the Arsenal fans will have a bloodshot eye if they uh, lose to Fulham. Uh, Fulham will be hoping to get their Premier League campaign off to a better start than they did last time around. Time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily, but don't go anywhere because afterwards we'll be talking about Crystal Palace versus Southampton, West Ham, what's going on over there in East London, and new blood at Newcastle. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. I've got Adam and Rob alongside me to pull apart all of the previews for the weekend's action. The first weekend of the 2020-21 Premier League season. Great to have you with us. Don't forget to hit subscribe. You'll never miss another episode of the podcast again. Don't forget, we are the only daily Premier League podcast. No other podcast focuses on the English top flight every single day of the football season. So if you can't get enough of your top flight English football, you've got to hit subscribe on Football Social Daily because we'll be giving you content and podcasts 
podcasts every day of the week from here on in. Let's talk about Crystal Palace against Southampton, a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday at Selhurst Park. And I was pretty shocked over the summer to see Crystal Palace get the checkbook out, Rob. Um, I can't believe they've actually invested in players. The fans are excited for the new season because of it, signing such as Eberechi Edse and Ferguson as well from West Brom, a much needed injection of youth there in Palace's squad. But do you think they have enough goal, enough goals in their side, even with Batshuayi arriving? Because if you look last season, only Norwich City scored fewer goals than Crystal Palace. Well, I think the short answer is no. I still think even with the signings, you know, it, it was essential, obviously, that Palace invested in this summer. But I think across the board, starting the new season, they're, they're starting with eight first-team injuries, and that's going to really impact them in the opening weeks. Um, I, I think it's a difficult question for, for Palace in terms of Hodgson's style because we know what he does, we know his style of management, we know how he likes to play football. Will Palace progress from that base as they stand? I'm not so sure. I, th- I think it could be a really difficult start to the campaign for them. Yeah, certainly Crystal Palace have been tipped by a few people, Keezy, to be relegated from the Premier League um, this season. A lot of people said the same thing last season and Roy Hodgson managed to get them playing. We mentioned the fact that they've made a couple of additions. The fact that they're young players, how important is that to Palace? Because their squad was ageing, to say the least. They were, and I think still are, one of the oldest squads in the Premier League. And Roy Hodgson's now into his mid-70s. He's in the last year of his contract. It does feel that there needs to be some sort of cultural shift at Crystal Palace sooner rather than later and maybe we're just beginning to see the green shoots of that yeah it it definitely feels like this is the transition season Um, there's no way in my eyes that Hodgson carries on after this that this will be his last season and you can kind of tell from the players that they've brought in they're bringing in young players quite exciting players Ferguson and uh, Eze will be great additions to that squad who apart from a couple of the players in that team, look very slow, very just devoid of anything creative. So there's a couple of good players in there. Bringing in Batshuayi with the, the option to buy as well is, is a great addition. I don't think they'll go down. I think uh, Hodgson's got the know-how. That team have got just about enough. And I think Eze, Zahar and Batshuayi should find enough goals. Last season, they were relying on Ayu, who scored a couple of good goals. And then it was like five games without it was always he'd get one and then go five or six without but this season I think Batshuayi could be enough um I just I always think with signings like that though how ambitious is that to bring back a player that you've had on loan uh before who's gone back and come back and I just wonder if there could have been somebody else the they've seen Sorloth go abroad and score 20 plus goals last season Mm. and it's I don't know. They're a bit of a strange club, Crystal Palace, but I think the fans are excited and the fans are back on board, which is half the half the battle, really. Yeah, I think personally, it's quite easy to forget how small a football club Crystal Palace are. You know, they are they're just over 100 years old and they've never won a major trophy in their history. So I think even staying up in the Premier League, I think we should probably treat them we should treat them in a similar vein to Burnley I think as well in terms of the size of club I think Palace is slightly bigger than Burnley but certainly on that level where everyone says oh Burnley are doing really well they're still in the Premier League and yet with Crystal Palace everyone says "Uh, well they should be doing a little bit better and actually I think that might be a little bit unfair in terms of expectations on Crystal Palace but I'm excited to see how those new signings go Um, Southampton certainly won't be excited though if uh, they get the better of them because they've not really strengthened at all they seem to have stood still Rob in the transfer market 
very little to report. They've lost their captain, Pierre-Emile Huybert, to Tottenham Hotspur. Kyle Walker-Peters has come the other way as part of that move and made his loan switch permanent. And they've um, brought in uh, Mohamed Salisso from Real Valladolid, and that's the only other signing they've made. So it seems quite concerning that they've not really strengthened at all. So is the real acid test the first few games of this new Premier League season? Because their momentum after the end of Project Restart was, was brilliant. They were in great form. I think losing Hoiberg is obviously a huge loss for them in terms of their starting eleven. But I think they're one of those football clubs, Southampton, obviously with what we've seen say, over the last 12 months uh, under Hassan Hutel, that they're a team that's built on consistency and they're a tough team to beat. And I think this season we'll, we'll still, still see all the same things that we saw last year and maybe some progress with that. So for a football club, I think that we're threatened with relegation and, and obviously at one point Hassan Hootel looked like he was going to get the sack and it was the end for him. I think Southampton have rebuilt in the correct manner and, and really in many ways they're, they're kind of an example for Crystal Palace themselves in terms of squad building where you can still have a small starting squad and have players that, that play every week. But as long as you have maybe players that are focal points like Danny Ings and players like like that you can mm. actually still go on and win games in the Premier League and actually find yourself higher up in the table and overachieving do you think that Southampton might flatter to deceive this season Adam and I'm not just saying that as a Pompey fan uh, obviously I'd quite like them to finish in the bottom three not, not no no secret there um, but certainly with the way that they played the back end of last season do you think that they might have almost in a way made a rod for their own backs and people expect them to push on and do better things this year when actually they might not be capable of doing so I think they're extremely safe I think they're a very solid side like Rob said the the hard to beat City found that out United found that out they're tough to break down. They've built extremely well at the back. And they've somehow kept hold of Danny Ings, who I was certain would get poached by a top eight side. So I think they've kind of got room this season where they can see where they're at, look at the, the transfer window in January to see if they'll kind of know which way they're going. But I think if you ask Southampton fans where they'd expect to finish, it's probably... Uh, like 10th to 13th somewhere like that I think at the moment with the money they've spent which is next to nothing they can't really expect anymore but they are building a really good team Walker Peters is still only 23 uh, and he'll be a good addition for the future that Salisu looks looks all right from the little video I watched of him before a bit more youth to put put at the back so they'll miss Hoiberg who's a very very solid player but I think they'll be absolutely fine there's there's a lot Te there's a lot of teams in the Premier League that are starting from a, a worse base than Southampton this season sorry now <laughs> and Crystal Palace included I mean are they finishing above their opponents at the weekend do you think uh, don't know because it's going to finish nil-nil so <laughs> <laughs> Might be bottom billing on Sunday's podcast here on Football Social Daily then, if that's the case. Anyway, two clubs that are certainly of greater stature than Crystal Palace and Southampton, but equally have their own problems. West Ham United and Newcastle United, two big clubs with disgruntled fan bases for different reasons. Um, which of the two clubs has the more reason to smile in terms of fan bases, Rob? I think I know my answer to this, but what would yours be? <laughs> well, to smile, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think at the moment, <laughs> Newcastle fans will, will probably be happier in terms that they've actually made some signings and they certainly look at that bit stronger than they were this time last year. But I think for, on the other hand, with West Ham, they're a football club that's always in turmoil. <laughs> Obviously, the sale of Dean Garner has just exploded amongst the fan base and uh, caused this ripple effect amongst uh, the fans. But I still think that... 
when you look at the two teams at West Ham are the team that might well be on the case of relegation this year Newcastle should be safe I think Steve Bruce has actually got them playing some good football and I think the signings of Wilson and Fraser are really good squad mm. signings and and they'll put the numbers in you know they'll actually get goals and assists and I think that they will see Newcastle be a much more dangerous team this year Mm, certainly we'll talk about their recruitment in a sec Keezy but um, I just think from my personal perspective the fact that West Ham are kind of in a bit of turmoil the fans are unhappy with the day-to-day running of the club Newcastle United have still got this lingering Saudi Arabian rejected takeover over them the fans perhaps slightly disgruntled about that so do you think that Newcastle's recruitment has kind of masked that annoyance from the Premier League's rejection of the Saudi takeover because as Rob says they're good players that they've brought in from AFC Bournemouth and they've brought Jeff Hendrick and Jamal Lewis in from Norwich City who's a good young player but do you think that these signings are kind of almost a PR exercise to kind of keep the fans on side as much as anything else because of the annoyance over the takeover falling through because that is a very Mike Ashley thing to do if I may say so. Yeah, I, it's a very odd one. I think, obviously, the fans, and you can go whichever side of the fence you want, the fans are either rightly or not rightly very upset with the way that the Premier League dealt with the, the proposed takeover. It's fell through. But I am stunned that Mike Ashley and whoever's in charge of making the signings have, has brought in proper, sensible signings. It's the first time in forever for Newcastle where they're not bringing in a £40 million striker who could be useless they're not bringing in some random centre-back from the championship instead they brought in like Rob said Fraser and Wilson who will do a great job they'll they'll get goals and that's always something that Newcastle miss it'll help the likes of Almiron and even Joe Linton might benefit from it I think Newcastle will, Newcastle fans at the minute will be happier than West Ham fans I think West Ham as a club are extremely lucky at the minute that the games are behind closed doors because it'll be so toxic at mm. that club We've seen what happened before with that Burnley game where the fans were on the pitch during the game and protesting. <laughs> the bald guy it, with the corner flag. <laughs> yeah, it would have been the same again because that club is run dreadfully. It's it's a shambles and I've, I've no affiliation to West Ham and yeah, it's funny laughing at Jim sometimes, but <laughs> it's so, so bad to watch just the way that the club's run and then you've got your club captain coming out waiting in yeah yeah that they've sold one of the best young talents not only have they sold one of the best young talents they've sold them to a club that are going to be battling with them for relegation sure i think west ham this season if they don't get off to a decent start they're they're down because they've got players at that club who are extremely good footballers felipe anderson when he's fit, he's a wonderful player. But where's his head at? Mm. Where where are the heads of these players at? They brought in Suchek last year. He was a really good signing and Antonio kicked on. But without those two players in the last six games, they would have gone down. So I wonder if this season's one step too far. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of reason to be concerned if you're a West Ham United fan. Um you know, the, all the signs are pointing towards them having a real rocky ride this season. But obviously that warning sign of last season, Rob, where they barely stayed up in the Premier League. Do you think they will learn their lesson this time around or do you think they're in store for a similar sort of campaign? No, I think they're already in trouble before the first game of the season. So I, I think, like what you're just saying there, you know, in terms of how the football club is run, it really is... Uh, the proverbial EastEnders, you know, it's a, it really is like a, a television program. <laughs> watching them every week with the disasters that happen at the football club, and, and I'm not sure how they'll get over that this season because they just don't have a good enough first team. So, I think this is going to be a really kind of difficult campaign for them 
to to balance everything. And I think for David Moyes, you know, he fought fire last year and managed to put out a few of them. But there could be more to put out this season. I'm not sure that they'll be able to avoid relegation. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of Phil Mitchells amongst West Ham United's fan base as well. That, as <laughs> Keezy says, if they were allowed into the ground, I think they might be making their way onto the pitch and making their thoughts known to Golden Sullivan and Brady, who seems to be part of that merry bunch of West Ham owners, if you can even call them such a thing at this moment <laughs> in time. Anyway, West Ham versus Newcastle is an evening kickoff on Saturday. That one starts at eight o'clock. Time for another short break here on Football Social Daily. Don't forget to check us out on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram just search at the sports social and on instagram it's sports social official don't go anywhere football social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk football social daily from sports social find us on facebook search sport social Welcome back to the podcast. This is part three of Football Social Daily. We're looking ahead to the weekend's Premier League action. It is the first day of the new Premier League season. 2020-21 is underway just over a month after it would have traditionally started. Of course, coronavirus still very much around here in the United Kingdom. And I think it may well affect some games in the near future as well. So don't be surprised if you do see cancellations and things like that due to outbreaks and spikes of COVID-19 it's still very much here so uh, the best way to keep up to date with all the latest news is to go over to our new website sport-social.co.uk and you can also check out our Amazon Alexa skill too all you need to do is ask Alexa to open Sport Social and it will take you to the latest news for the club that you support right then two games left to talk about over the weekend's action these two take place on Sunday the first West Bromwich Albion welcome Leicester City to the Hawthorns it's hard to know what to expect from West Brom this season Rob because, I mean, I'm not really sure whether the West Brom fans are expecting um, to stay up this year or not. It, it seems hard to gauge, particularly considering how they almost limped over the line for promotion last season. Um, will they be the dark horses of this Premier League season like Sheffield United were last campaign? Or are they going to be down in the dumps by the end of the season? No, not for me. I think we saw, didn't we, at the end of the season in the Championship that they almost completely blew it, their chance to come up. Mm. Um, you know, they, they haven't really strengthened it either. And I think that will be a trend for, for promoted teams to obviously protect their finances as they uh, come up the division. But I, I think this will be a really tough campaign, really, for for West Brom and see if they can survive. Any kind of survival for them will will be success. But I think that the, they're playing a Leicester team that themselves have got expectations to live up to this season. And I, and I do think that uh, this game could be a surprise result. West Bromwich Albion, of course, um, are known as a yo-yo club, Keezy. So, I mean, they'll be keen to kind of eliminate any sort of initial um, quotes about them not being able to stay up this season. Yeah, um... I think like Robert, I don't know. I don't know what the West Brom fans are expecting at all. I'm, I'm expecting them to go down, which is no slight on them. I, I don't know with the squad that they've got. I don't know if it's strong enough. I don't know if Billich can keep them up. I don't know if there's enough kind of know-how about that team to stay up. I just think that almost similar to last season, if if they are a team who can get points on the board early enough, they might be able to struggle and stay up, but. I think it would be a huge success for them if, if they can just kind of stay and survive. Um, I, I don't think they can expect anything else this season. 
Well, they welcome Leicester to the Hawthorns, Keezy. And, you know, Leicester, for the first time in a couple of seasons, will be, you know, trying to deal with this domestic and European campaign. They've done it before, um, but the Europa League seems to be a lot tougher to kind of compete in alongside the Premier League than the Champions League does. Um, Wolves did prove that it can be done last season if if managed well. Um, Do you think that that's the biggest challenge this season for Leicester City is managing the European campaign and the domestic campaign with the squad that they've got? Yeah, I I feel like Leicester have gone a bit stagnant. Um, I don't think they've brought in... I I don't think, and it's almost going back to what Rob was talking about, about Liverpool. Leicester had a good season last year and and struggled really to get over the line in in the end. They were quite unlucky, I think, with the break. It came at the wrong time. Um, They relied a lot on Vardy's goals. Mm. I I think they needed to strengthen in this transfer window just to show the ambition, just to show that they, they want to push on and push for that top four. Instead, I think they're going to end up going backwards next season because the teams around them have strengthened and strengthened well. United, uh, Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal have all added to the team and, and on paper look like a much stronger squad. So I don't know how Leicester are going to manage it. I don't know what their expectations are for the, the league table, whether it's try and get into the top seven and scrape that and see what they can do in Europe. I'm not sure, but... I think for me, they've gone they've gone backwards. So, I mean, there were lots of talks last season about whether Leicester can even like challenge Liverpool at one stage. In the end, Rob, they finished fifth. I mean, top six now will naturally be the kind of the the bracket that many pundits and fans will be looking at Leicester to finish in. Uh, do you think they will finish in the top six or even you know the top eight? Because we know how competitive the Premier League is, and it for me seems a little bit unlikely that they will finish in that top six bracket again. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't think they're good enough to be in the top six this coming season. And I think when we look at the other clubs that have strengthened around them, and we just talked about Arsenal, you know, teams like Arsenal who will be coming through, Tottenham will try and obviously be up there again. Uh, it's going to be really difficult for Brendan Rodgers to get that team in some kind of shape to challenge, especially if Vardy goes cold at some point. So it's going to be a tough campaign for them, especially, you know, they've lost Chilwell. They've not brought in anyone to really strengthen their depth or, or the quality of their starting eleven. Uh, it could be a, a kind of mid-table season for them. I think it, 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 the expectations from last year because of the way they started were were really high, but we saw how they finished the campaign mm. and they looked like a team that did hit a brick wall and that would be really difficult to re- recover from this season. Jamie Vardy's like Benjamin Button, Rob, isn't he? Just, just you know, he keeps getting older, but he keeps banging the goals in. I mean... Well, he's like 54 years old or something. <laughs> it? It's all that Red Bull keeping him going. Um, West Brom versus Leicester City, a two o'clock kickoff on Sunday afternoon in the Premier League. Right then, one of the games that, um, aside from Liverpool versus Leeds, is probably the one that I'm actually most intrigued by. It's Tottenham Hotspur versus Everton. It's a 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. Two clubs, Adam, who I think massively underachieved last season and two clubs that will no doubt have eyes on a much better campaign this time around. Yeah, this this for me is game of the weekend. Um, it's You've got Mourinho who has had time to get to know his squad, which he obviously needed because when he came in last season, they were absolutely all over the place. And you've got Ancelotti who has been given the reins to the transfers because these are his transfers and you can tell. Mm. He's built a brand new midfield that's quite an exciting midfield. Um, They've brought in Rodriguez, who obviously is the biggest name signing. And by all accounts, they've brought him in on a free, which is unbelievable business. It's a huge gamble. Um, But if you look at 18 months ago, there were other teams looking at paying 80 million quid for him. So he's 
going to be very interesting to watch. Is he as good as people thought he was? Who knows? Um, but it's a gamble worth taking in my eyes. And then Decore brings a lot of stability to that midfield, which Everton lack. The, that midfield last, last season was dreadful at times. And then obviously they brought in Allen, who's a tough tackler and mm. a, a bit of a hard man, which Everton fans will like. So Everton have really strengthened Spurs haven't brought in the big names they haven't well not yet anyway they're, they're strongly linked with Milik uh, as a backup striker for Kane mm. but I think Spurs will be harder to beat this season I think Mourinho has had his time to to work his Mourinho ways with them and Sunday will definitely be one of those where it's Mourinho against Ancelotti as much as uh, Spurs against Everton so mm. it should be a good game um, Everton fans have cause to be optimistic but that as we know with Everton a bit like West Ham can fall apart in no time and it's Mourinho time so is he going to go off on one this season probably mm. um, he always does so he's box it, office it Jose good, it should be a good game but I, I apologise now when it's nil-nil but <laughs> it's always the way isn't it Sunday uh, super Sunday kickoff the late kickoff everyone gets excited for it and inevitably it does finish goalless but I think it's a good point you make about Jose Mourinho there Adam because to be honest, Rob, he had that buffer last season of, oh, it's only the second time in my career I've taken over a club halfway through a season. You've got to give me some time. Well, now he's had half a season. He's had, albeit a shortened summer to kind of get his ducks in order and coach and drill the squad the way he wants to. Does that mean that the safety net's gone now for Jose? The excuses have now dried up and this really is him having to show his soul and prove that he still is one of the top managers in the world this season? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well for Jose, it's it's looking at how he normally manages football clubs and how he takes on the second season in terms of his history. He's always brought in signings and big signings at that, you know, to strengthen looking at experience. And I think when you look at uh, you know, Doherty and, and Hoiberg being the two signings that he's got at the moment, obviously there might be more before October the 5th. I really don't think Tottenham are strong enough to, to finish where they want to be. You know, this is, this is a team that were always on the cusp of top four, if not in the Champions League places. And it's going to be difficult for Mourinho to match Pochettino's standards, I think now, of what he achieved, obviously, before he left the football club. So it's funny, isn't it? Because Spurs and Everton are two very similar teams in terms of stature and maybe in history. But Everton are a team that really look ambitious, you know, and bringing in someone like James Rodriguez, it's a it's a crazy signing. It's not something that anyone would have thought of, you know, mm. six months ago that they'd be able to attract a name that big. It is a huge gamble, but mm. if it pays off, I think Everton will be the team knocking on the top four. And I think mm. it's going to be a difficult campaign for Jose. You know, we, we've been watching the documentary, haven't we, all closely and seeing how <laughs> that football club runs from behind. Um, they're so reliant on Harry Kane. I just think that you know, if Kane gets an injury or something at any point of the season, which is almost guaranteed when it's Harry Kane, because he seems to have ankles made of paper mache the poor fella it happens every year doesn't it so <laughs> I, I think that's a that's a problem for them they do need to bring in a backup striker but even a backup striker doesn't guarantee you points uh, Jose I think might struggle next season his his tactics really need to be as sharp as possible and he needs to keep that club going while he gets the opportunity to buy players but they've not really done the business I thought that they might do in this summer window 
Adam Keyworth just there mentioned James Rodriguez, but I mean, you're obviously a reporter for Bleacher Report, which means that you know your onions when it comes to everything uh, across the pond and certainly the impact that marketing can have in, in North America. And we look at James Rodriguez from a social media perspective and he's got you know over a, 100 million followers across his platforms. I think he's in the top 10 most followed sports stars across social media. So in terms of kind of, helping Everton as a global brand. How big is that James Rodriguez capture, Rob, particularly from sort of a North American and South American viewpoint? Uh, There's no doubt he's a global superstar. Now, I I think maybe in the Premier League and in England, he might be underrated or undervalued in football fans' eyes. But there's no doubt that Everton, the, the kind of signing that he is, it is a statement, you know, they're trying to explode their brand abroad. But mm. you need to do that, obviously, through winning. And he's the kind of player that, that has a lot to prove, obviously, with after his time at Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. And he's been looking for a manager to look after him. And he knows Ancelotti and Ancelotti knows him. So I think this could be a perfect marriage, really, for, for him as a, in terms of showing off his talent and what's around him. And, as, you know, we mentioned Alan earlier on there as well. It, it just feels right. I think the chemistry is there for, for Everton and it could be a, an incredible campaign for them. And they could be the, you know, the Leicester City of from last season. They could be the team that make themselves a stalwart in the top four early on and actually try and survive there till the end of the season to get into the Champions League. I yeah. think that, uh, just to add in as well, um, by all accounts, Tamori's going to be going there on loan from Chelsea. Mm. And I, th- I think that would be a huge pull for Everton to bring in a young defender who, who they can rely upon. I thought he was really, really good when he got his his chances at Chelsea. He's obviously only still young, but again, it like Rob said, it, they're showing ambition. Um, and I think that's what the Everton fans have, have wanted for years now. They always seem to get these false promises and false dawns of, oh, we're going to bring in these big players and then they end up with Delph. So it's like, <laughs> the, which I, I love Fabian Delph, but they've ended up with Decore, who I think last year on the podcast I was saying I wouldn't have minded him at City um, as kind of strength for the squad in midfield. So that midfield three now, like Rob said, it, it's got proper chemistry and it's exciting. And obviously Calvert-Lewin was in good form last year. They've got Bernard and Richarlison. And then they've also got Moyes Keane, who is another player who could explode if you, you give him the right the right chance. So Everton need a bit of luck to get up towards the top four. But I think if they don't get seventh minimum, I think it'll be a disappointment now. Mm, I love Everton as a football club, just still such a traditional club. And although they are going to move out of Goodison Park in the next couple of years, at least um, by their own hopes and dreams in terms of building this new stadium at Bramley Moor Dock in the city of Liverpool. um, I just think that they're a great traditional old club and there's not too many of those left. I don't know why I've got a soft spot for Everton, certainly in terms of Premier League sides, but they take on uh, Tottenham Hotspur at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That is a 4.30 kickoff on Sunday evening. Right then, that's it. That's the weekend's fixtures preview. Don't forget there is two games on Monday night, but you can listen to tomorrow's podcast and Monday's podcast to preview all of that action. And don't forget every big talking point that takes place in the top flight over the course of the season will be right across it here on Football Social Daily. But before we go, I know that you're both respective Manchester United and Manchester City fans. So I did joke before we came and started recording the podcast that, you know, you two don't get into any scuffles or any fights over the airwaves. But who's going to finish higher? 
out of the Manchester clubs. We record this podcast in Manchester. Out of the two, who's finishing above the other? Or is it going to be closer than people think? I, I want you to both make a case for your respective football clubs. So we'll start with you, Keezy. Why is Manchester City going to finish above Manchester United this season? Uh, yeah, well, I think we will. Um, <laughs> that, I, is that you know, it? Do you know what? I think we no. will. I think do we will. That'll do it. I, I texted you last night, Niall, saying, are we going to have to come armed with predictions? Because... I was looking at kind of where the top four falls and ah, bugger it. If anyone's got this far on in the podcast, they can have it. But my top three prediction had City winning it, United in second and Liverpool in third, which is ridiculous <laughs> when when you look at it. But I think United, if they keep the, the squad fit, and that's going to be key, the, the squad's paper thin. But if you keep that starting 11 fit and Liverpool slip up a little bit with which I can see happening. They were so fortunate with injuries last season. Um, I think United could come in second, but I'm putting City in first place almost in out of blind optimism um, in the hope, again, if, if we can stay fit, I think we'll have the hunger to come back. And we've brought in a couple of decent players. I imagine Koulibaly will follow in the next week and he's... A player like him is kind of the missing piece for us at the minute. So, what if you signed? Um, what if you had signed Messi? By the way, sorry to cut you um, off there. But what if you had signed Messi? Would you would you have altered your? I know you've put Man City top. But would you have altered your prediction? Would you be more confident? I mean, what would the what would the score have been there? We probably would have won every game seven six, and it would have been great <laughs> fun. But um, yeah, that that was always a pipe dream, wasn't it? But that would have been great fun. But even without him, we've we've got enough. Uh, last season, we we just kept cocking up games that we should never not have won so hopefully they've got over it and hopefully Liverpool are a little bit more complacent and they have been I think as Rob was saying before in the transfer window United have done pretty well in their strengthening if they bring in Sancho I think the top three and maybe top four if you had Chelsea it'll be really close so I'll I'll back us but it's going to be an interesting season I think very diplomatic from you, Keezy. Very diplomatic. For now. For now, for, now, for the time being. Uh, well, you, you've heard his case, Rob. Come on then. Why, uh, as you, as an ardent Manchester United supporter as you are, do you think that uh, the Reds are going to finish above the Blues of Manchester this season? Well, I don't think that. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> um, you've ruined it. <laughs> I, I'm going to be a diplomatic fan as well of this one. Um, I think City are going to win the title. Um, that's I agree with that, and I also do think that United are chasing Liverpool. I think that is the the structure of the coming season. Uh, as far as City go, you know they had a terrible season last year on their terms. Obviously, they wanted to win the title. But I, I still look at them as a football club and feel that they're the team most prepared to win. Now, I, I know Liverpool have had two fantastic seasons, but I think if they get one or two injuries to key players or there's anything that unsettles that front free, I think it becomes a really difficult campaign for Liverpool. And I, I feel good about United. I think that, you know, I like what Solskjaer's doing. I like the potential signings of, of obviously bringing in Sancho to the football club. Um, but I don't think United will finish above City. I really don't. <laughs> I think if they get within six or ten points of them this season, that would actually be some kind of achievement. Uh, but Liverpool, I think, are the, are the team that might well be the one to worry. You know, they they haven't strengthened obviously in this transfer window yet. Lots of talk about Thiago going to the football club, but more than that, I think that they they are a team that do need a little bit more depth and also just to maintain their luck in terms of holding on to their injury record that they've had for two seasons where literally they've, they've lost no one. Alisson, I think, was out last season for mm. four or five weeks. Mm. And I think during that period, uh, they didn't keep a clean sheet, but they still managed 
to win every match. So, you know, credit to Klopp and to Liverpool in terms of what they've done. But this could be a tricky season for them. I think, um, Niall, as well, just throw this back in. I think this season will be... So the last two seasons, City won it with 100. Liverpool got to 99, did they? I can't remember. Whatever mm. they finished on last season. Um, I think this season will be much less than that to win the league. I think it's going to be one of those campaigns where teams will lose to each other in that top six, almost going back about four years when that was the norm. Uh, you can see Chelsea beating Liverpool and Liverpool beating United and United beating City and City beating Liverpool. I think there'll be a lot of that going on. Um, I do still think that City, United, Liverpool will will make mincemeat out of some of the, the lesser teams, but um, I just think it'll be a lot more competitive this season and as much as I'd love us to walk it, it's good fun when you can win it late later on in the season. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Chelsea are a very interesting watch this season as well. Mm, so mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, write them off anything at this point. I think Jim Salverson thinks Chelsea are going to win the league. So um, no doubt we'll be rinsing him if that doesn't happen throughout the course of the football <laughs> season. Um, it's just all a bit placid at the moment. I was expecting a little bit more uh, fiery uh, debating between the two of you, particularly with Leeds United back in the Premier League and Liverpool as well. I mean, so many good games to look forward to this uh, Premier League season. And don't forget, we'll be across every single one of them here. Match reports and match previews on our website, sport-social.co.uk, and you can access those through our Amazon Alexa skill as well. All you need to do is ask your device, Alexa, open Sport Social, and it'll take you straight to the skill. And you can then set your favourite team and hear the latest news on your team as as well as match previews and match reports too. Right, that's it for today's Football Social Daily preview show. Um, thanks very much, Keezy, for coming on the podcast and uh, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thanks. Nice nice to be back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a very good, strong debut uh, from Rob. I think you've, uh, you've kept your place in the squad, Rob. Many thanks, Niall. <laughs> no problem at all. I've been Niall McCorn. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to smash that subscribe button because we are the only daily Premier League podcast. We'll speak to you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.